Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the podcast. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to give a big shout out to all our Patreon supporters. You guys rock. I just completed a new video for a show called This Old Rock T-Shirt. It's up on the Talking Metal YouTube page and of course, TalkingRock.net. And all you Patreon dudes get a special thanks at the end of that video. So definitely watch for your name on that. Uh, of course, I did edit it uh, a, a week or so ago. So I know we had some some new people join us and you guys won't be in the, the credit roll. But next video, we'll get you in for sure. I know we had uh, Sam join us and Drake, uh, the Graveyard Disciple, Matt, Carol. So thank you guys. Three new guys on Patreon and love the Ron Keel uh comments on patreon he is so great all you other guys are awesome too. watch for your name at the end of this old rock t-shirt on youtube.com slash talking metal we got a great show we're hyping m3 on this show i cannot wait for m3 and i also just wanted to mention the show was recorded a while ago i was actually going to do it as a bonus episode last week but i didn't have time to um edit it so it's just a normal episode this tuesday and uh yeah man so that's why we're talking about the super bowl i know the super bowl was well over a week ago at this point so sorry to put a dated episode up but it's still good check it out and let's check out marty friedman at one of my favorite clubs in new jersey it's called crossroads in garwood new jersey on 78 North Avenue. We're going down to check out Marty Friedman next week. I hope you join us. It's going to be just a fantastic night. It is February 23rd, Saturday night. You cannot go wrong. Meet Emily and I down at Crossroads to experience one of the greatest guitar players ever, Marty Friedman. Cannot wait for that one. And we will also see you at M3 this year. Cannot wait to get down there. Let's do this. Here is a brand new episode of Talking Metal. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. 
On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids. Thanks for joining us here on another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. We got a fire going. We're sitting in our living room in the afternoon. First we haven't fire. started drinking yet, which wow. is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're going to a party. Yeah, we're going to a, a party at a neighbor's house, so we need to 
those people drink, so yeah. we need to, I think we need to take it easy right now and yeah. try and keep up with them later on. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so looking forward to that. That's coming up in a, a little bit. It is the Saturday before the Super Bowl. We were invited to a Super Bowl party, which was canceled. So uh, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't Seriously, e- let's just have a party. Yeah. Maybe we'll just invite some friends over. Wait, and who's playing here. halftime is going to be awful. Isn't it Maroon 5? I don't know. I, oh, now, God. Foo Fighters are doing something, but I don't know if that's like... Oh, really? Something separate. So I yeah, I don't think it's them, the actual halftime thing. I heard I something about Maroon 5, and I was just like, oh, God. I, yeah, Shoot I have no me. clue. No clue. But I'll tell you one thing that is going to be a party. M3. The M3 Rock Festival. Cannot Emily wait. and I are so excited. And we have Keith from the band Tora Tora on the podcast today. We're going to talk about their upcoming M3 performance. We're going to talk about their brand new record, which sounds great. Keith's going to tell us all about it. And, uh, you know, Tora Tora, Eric Baker, the producer of the festival, told me that they do exit polling at M3. That's how that's how engaged they are with the fans. And the fans, one of the most requested bands to uh, have on the festival was Tora Tora. So they have a hardcore fan. Base, yeah, they really sure. do. And we're going to talk to Keith about that. And I am so excited to hang with Keith and the guys in Tora Tora at this year's M3 Festival. It's just going to be an incredible event with some great, great bands. Emily, why don't you go through I, some of the ones we're going to we're going to see at M3? I mean, well, hello, White Snake. They're always they always put on such a great show. Bang Tango, Danger Danger, Autograph. Um, Firehouse. Who else do we have? Quiet Riot, LA Guns, Kicks. Oh my God, Kicks is always a blast. Um, Skid Row. Who did I miss? Steven Adler is going to be yeah, there. Playing Heaven's Guns N' Roses songs. Kingdom Come. Oh, Vince Neil and Vixen and Warrant. Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, it is a really <laughs> incredible so lineup this year. It really is. And so we are looking forward to that. We're going to talk to Keith about M3 and about the 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 state of Tora Tora in just a bit. And I want to mention the song that we played coming into the episode was Bad Boys by Whitesnake, who will also be at M3. And on that song, Neil Murray on the bass. Now, Neil is known for Whitesnake, but he also did some work with Black Sabbath. And he is a part of the new Emerald Sabbath album, which is about to come out. And we're going to talk to the producer of that record, the guy who who put this all together, Ron Keel is a part of it, Vinny Apice, uh, Adam Wakeman from Ozzy's band is on it. It's a it's a Sabbath tribute, but it's people who all had a hand in the history of Black Sabbath. And it is a really cool project. So stay tuned for that interview with Michael. He's going to tell us all about the Emerald Sabbath project. Right now, here's some classic Tora Tora. This is Guilty, followed by my interview with the guitarist of Tora Tora, Keith. So here we go.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line we have from the band Tora Tora, Keith Douglas. Keith, how are you? I'm great, Mark. How are you doing, man? Oh, I'm great, and I'm very excited for your new album, which we're going to talk all about, The Bastards of Beal. It's out later this month. Um, what I've yes, heard sounds heard. great, man. So let's let's talk about that in one minute. But first, I wanted to tell you that I had recently inter- interviewed Eric Baker, who runs the M3 Rock Festival, and he told yeah. me that when we were going through the lineup, he told me that, well, the band Tora Tora, that he had so many people requesting um, in exit polling. I didn't know they did exit polling at M3, but right. apparently they do. And he told me that you guys were one of the most requested bands that he was hearing from from the M3 you know, community um, that, they, that they wanted awesome. on the bill. So I didn't know if you knew that, but I, I you know, wanted to say, A, I'm totally excited to uh, see you play at M3 this year. And oh, great. You're going to make it. Yeah. Cool. And B, just talk about your involvement with the festival. Yeah, well, um, we're super excited to be on the bill this time around. Um, you know, even back in the day when we did a lot of touring, I mean, Baltimore, that whole Northeast region, New York, Baltimore, D.C., um, that whole coast was always really, really a great place for us to play. Uh, you know, Baltimore especially, we used to play hammerjacks there and – and, uh, you know, I think we sold it out one time headlining. I mean, it's just nuts. Um, and, uh, so we've always had a really good, you know, uh, a really good turnout. Every time we've been to Baltimore, we were back. Um, it's probably been a little, well, it's been a little bit over a year. We, we went back and played Baltimore, um, and had a great time. And man, there were so many people, you know, we did a meet and greet and it was just like, endless line of people that were like, man, we've been waiting on you guys to come, you know, through Baltimore again for so long. So, uh, and you know, of course, for the last three or four years, everybody's been saying, you know, you guys got to do M3, you guys got to do M3. So, you know, we're coming. Awesome. Well, it's it's one of my favorite festivals. There's a, a handful of festivals that my wife and I do every every year. But the thing we love most uh-huh. about M3 is there's just such a great community of of people and fans and bands and and it's just such a great hang. And I'm so psyched you guys are going to be there this year. We'll be shooting vin- video interviews down there, so I'd love to grab you for another five or ten minutes uh, backstage man. at M3. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, we would love to, and and we're really looking forward to it. Um, and you know, we're also doing um, end of this month. We're doing Monsters Rock Cruise. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, a, a lot of those people are, are probably a lot of the same people that do M three, and you know, and it's like a big community. It's like a big, uh, you know. I get what you're talking about. I love that vibe, man. When everybody's you know, kind of on the same page and a fan. It, yeah, it just becomes man. like kind of a, a brotherhood, you know? It really is. People, you know, they put their politics, they put their favorite sports teams, they put everything aside and they come together uh, over this love of that genre of music, which you guys definitely were so good at delivering back in the day. And you are back with your first, I guess, new music in a long time, right? When When's the last time Tora Tora released an album of, of new music? Man, the last album we recorded was for A&M Records. It was in 94. Uh, the Revolution record was called Day. Revolution Day, yeah. which they didn't even release. Um, 
you know, and we were dropped from our label as well as, you know, basically everybody else was. Right. Um, so that one kind of never saw the light of day for a long time until, uh, a few years back, we, we released that on FMA records out of Nashville. Right on. And, uh, but that was the last time, you know, we, um, this is the first time we've not only recorded, you know, it's the first time we wrote together in, you know, years and years and years. Um, so we were extremely surprised and, uh, and really, really happy and excited with what we were coming out with. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like when we, when we got back together, Anthony and I, the singer, uh, do, we do the bulk of the writing or, and then we take our ideas to the other guys and we kind of finish them out all together. Um, and he and I, you know, weren't real sure how it was going to go. And, you know, man, it was just like picking up right where we left off. So super, super cool experience. And, uh, you know, and the tunes just started coming and, and, you know, I, we're thrilled with how the record came out and with the songs. And we, uh, I mean, we actually have, We've got so much material, we had a hard time, you know, trimming it down to what was going to go on this record. So so hopefully, you know, we, we've got a good head start on the next one. Oh, that's awesome. And I will say that I had the opportunity to hear the record. Uh, John Freeman sent me over a link. And it is great, awesome. man. The, the You know, the thing that just struck me, besides the song structures and the hooks and the melodies... And I mean, you're you're the guitar guy. The guitars sound fantastic. I mean, in some ways, oh, cool. Yeah, in some ways, man. Even you know, like a heavier sound, in in my opinion, than you know the albums back in the day, like Surprise Attack and and uh, Wild America. I, I felt like the guitars right. were were heavier and really in your face. Um, so let me ask you. Your actual tone, are you guys tuning down a little bit? Are you down to like an E flat or a D? Yeah, we're down a half a step. Half step, um, okay. From from where we used to be. Right, okay. Um, you know, it just, it helps along with, you know, just with Anthony's singing. And we've just, we, we started tuning down a while back for that reason. And, you know, a lot of people do that. And it's, you know, nobody's. 20 years old anymore. So, right. But I think it even you know, adds the, to the heaviness of, of it. Are, some of those notes are, are you know, kind of crazy. Right. Um, but, and you know, Anthony's so awesome, man. He, he does such a great job still, but we just kind of, you know, stayed in that, you know, half step down tuning. And then also on this album, we explored a lot with other drop tunings we do a lot of stuff in open g and then anthony oh, nice. shows up he's like the king of crazy tunings and you know it drives me nuts because i'm like man how you know come on it but uh but it's really wild he shows up with like an open c tuning which are you know a couple of songs on this album are actually in that tuning and it's just it's kind of wild and it gives wow. it a little different sound as well cool well i know the there's two singles out now which if uh, if the album isn't out by the time we post this, which it probably won't be, it'll probably be out in a week or two by the time we post this interview, people should definitely check out uh, Silence the Sirens. That song is so good. I believe it's up on iTunes and Spotify right now. What What's the yeah. tuning on that? Is that one of the ones with the odd tuning? That's, that is, man. Yeah. That's an open C tuning, which wow. is, I don't know, man. It's kind of out there, but... 
you know, it, it's it lends to a really really cool sound, you know, and certain certain scales and stuff work really well with it. Very cool. And the uh, the guitar tone is coming. What kind of guitar are you using? Um, you know, I've just always had, and you know, this is coincidental. My it used to be a Strat. You know, my main guitar was a original Strat from the late seventies that I got when I was probably, you know, 11 or 12 years old. Um, and since it's just been through so many modifications, there's really nothing left of the original except for the body. And it's in the pickup, man, I've got a, just a killer DiMaggio, uh, pickup in that. And it's just, I don't know, man, I can't, I've never come across another guitar that I can get that sound of, yeah. uh, out of. Is but, that a uh, double coil or a single coil? Because strats oh, usually double, yeah. Because strats you usually think of a single coil, but it, it sounds so big yeah. on the record that I'm was thinking it must be a double, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know it's just uh, rocking straight through a Marshall, you know, and uh, this this record is so stripped down. I mean, it's it's pretty much raw. It's pretty much live, you know. We use zero click tracks. There's minimal overdubs whatsoever um you know there's no keyboards no extra percussion there's really nothing on it i mean we basically hit the record button and just went for it and the album guys is called bastards of beal and it is by tora tora we're talking with keith the guitarist in the band keith what this is coming out through frontiers so what happened did you get a record together and and then approach frontiers or did they kind of approach you and say hey how about a record yeah well i mean we had kind of in passing you know talked about you know maybe we should try to write some new stuff sometime or do a project you know and uh and I guess it was about a year and a half, a couple of years ago, uh, Frontiers actually contacted me through social media. And, uh, and you know, that was – and I knew of Frontiers, and I, I had always thought, man, that would be so cool to to be able to work with them. I mean, they do such a great job, you know, to, in my opinion, just keeping rock alive, you know. Um, so – just with that coming around, it just kind of gave us, it, it helped us focus, you know, and, and right. set our, ourselves some kind of deadline. And we were like, man, let's do it, you know, and that really is what got us kicked into gear and, and moving on it. Cool. Cool. And yeah. let's talk about back in the day. I mean, you guys were, you know, you had the videos going on MTV and you did some, you did a lot of touring too in the late oh, 80s, yeah. early 90s. You guys toured with the cult, right? Yep. Yeah, we did. That was pretty awesome. That was the cult. And was Dangerous Toys on that, that build too? Actually, when we were on that, the leg we were on was with Bonham. Oh, Bonham. Wow. Do you remember Bonham? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. What, what so, memories of that tour you could share with us? I, you know, that was the one tour that we did at arenas, you know, in and out. We actually got to play our um, arena here in Memphis where I saw every concert I ever saw as a kid at the Mid-South Coliseum, which is now defunct. But, um, you know, they don't want to tear it down because the Beatles played there. Oh, right. So it's kind of just sitting there empty. Um, but it was so cool and just such a 
you know, mind blower for us to be playing, you know, those kind of buildings. And, um, man, I just was in awe of the cult, man. That was, that was Sonic Temple. Um, which I still love that album top great, to bottom great record, yeah. you know, and I just every night after we played, um, you know, man, I would just grab a beer and sit on a road case and I watched them. I watched that show every night, you know, and I'll just, uh, I just enjoyed it, man. I, I loved it. I thought the whole thing at the time was just, uh, you know, it was just electric, man. Right. The whole vibe. Cool. And what other tours stand out as, you know, great, great tours that you had back in the day? Uh, probably the next one that would stick out in my mind that, that we were on a long time was, uh, it was us and LA guns and dangerous toys. Okay. And, uh, man, we went all over the place on that one and we were doing theaters. Um, and that, that was a great time, man, because, all three bands had pretty much put out a record right around the same time. That was, um, you know, it was Dangerous Toys' first record, as, and I think that was L.A. Guns. It was uh, Cocked and Loaded. Okay, cool. Which is my favorite record of theirs, you know. So there's great songs on there, but uh, that was a really great time, you know. Beyond that, we spent, gosh, I couldn't tell you how many times we crisscrossed the country just headlining clubs you know, on our own. And that's really doing those longer headlining sets night after night is, I don't know, we've got, you know, you get a lot more seasoned doing that night in and night out than a, you know, as opposed to a half hour or 45 minute set as an opener. Right on. Right on. Yeah. So, you know, surprise attack was of course, uh, 1989 and then, Yep. Wild in America record hit in 1992, and you know it was a album that charted on the Billboard the Top 200. But then that third album, as you mentioned, you rec- I guess you recorded it, the whole album, and it was done, ready oh, yeah. to go. And then for whatever reason, the label drops you guys, and it doesn't get released for for literally decades later. I mean, that had to be a a pretty rough blow to the band. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that time period? Yeah, it was, it was such an odd time and and things were just changing. You know, I I don't know if you remember, you probably do. I mean, it was just kind of overnight. Everything just changed, you know? Um, And I don't know with that, with that album. I mean, they were just, they were contractually obligated to let us make it, which, you know, they fulfilled their end and, and paid and put out the record budget and we did it and made it. But, you know, they didn't have to necessarily release it. So they didn't. Um, and that just sat on the shelf, you know, for years and years and years until uh, we released it through F and A. Right on. Well, so, yeah. But, you know, I, at the time, you know, it it was just kind of time to move on. You know, after that, we kind of just took a break from it and and went, you know, took a went on hiatus pretty much for a long, long, long time. And uh, we kind of regrouped around. I guess it was two thousand eight. Right. So it was like um, a, maybe we like were, a fifteen year period. I would I would say. Yeah, fourteen years, something like that. I mean, we had. 
we had played a little thing here or there. We did like a, you know, a fundraiser event for a, a guy we knew with health issues. So we would do just kind of, you know, or I popped in with Anthony and we did some acoustic stuff at a club or two, but, um, you know, beyond that, we were just kind of all on our separate ways, you know, and with different careers and everybody started families and you know how that goes. We just right, got right busy. On. And were you guys like doing jobs outside of the music business in that, in that period? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I worked with a family business for gosh, the better part of 20 years. Um, right. And, uh, but you know, and, and getting back together since then, just kind of hitting the festival here or there. But, um, you know, we just kind of got re-energized a couple of years ago. You know, our, our bass player, Patrick Francis, he, uh, he had a cancer episode a couple of years ago. He was diagnosed with bladder cancer, um, which he's fine now, you know, and all good, you know, and we're so grateful, uh, for that, but it kind of gave us a whole new, I don't know, outlook, you know, it was like, you know, we're, nobody's getting any younger and we, we just enjoy playing together so much. And, you know, it's so, it's such a blast getting out there and playing and, and meeting the people like you're talking about at M3 that are still digging it. And it's, you know, it's a win-win for Absolutely. for everybody. So, so, you know, we want to do, you know, we're going to do it while we can do it. You know, nobody's, nobody's itching to like jump in a van and, you know, cut across the country a few times, but, but we're, we'll definitely weekend warrior it, you know, as long as somebody will have us. Right on. And you mentioned the band is revitalized and there's, it's a new era. And I think you can, you can hear that energy and that excitement in the new record bastards of Beal, oh. which will be out again later this month, guys by Tora Tora. I highly recommend it. Really. You guys did a great job on it, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, and, you know, that means the most to hear it, you know, from guys like you and, and people who are familiar with us, you know, back in the day and, and, you know, uh, kind of kept up with us a little bit over the years. So we're super excited for everybody to hear it. And, uh, we just, we just think everybody will be as excited as we are about the new tunes. Cool. Well, I hope we get, uh, at least a, a couple new songs at M3. I mean, I, I of course I want to hear all the old, you know, Phantom Rider and, and Walk and Shoes, oh, yeah. all the old stuff, but I, I would love to hear uh, a, a new song or two, if you can slip those into the set list at M3. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have at least a couple in there. Good. But good. you know, I, you've heard that. I've heard that old joke. I mean, what's the worst thing you can hear at a concert is here's one off of our new record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I get that, but I do, I do think it is, uh, it is healthy, not only for the bands to, to play a couple oh, of new yeah. songs, but also for the, the, the people in the audience to have some open ears and support what you guys are up to now, because again, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's a kick for us, you know, changing it up a little bit too. And, uh, we've had really great response so far, you know, pitching, we've, we've thrown in, two or three songs in the set and, and people seem to really dig them. So, you know, we're even looking more forward to once people have the record and are a little more familiar with the tunes. And I, you know, I think they're just going to pop right in with the rest of them. All right, cool. Well, thank you for your time, Keith. We appreciate it. 
Absolutely, man. Thanks, Mark. And uh, we appreciate it, man. Give me a holler if you guys ever need anything. I need a-
a little brand new Tora Tora Silence, the Sirens. That sounds great. Keith, I cannot wait to see you at M3. Emily is psyched too. We're going to be doing interviews down there. Are you ready for some uh, M3 fun? I'm so I'm so ready. That was I wasn't there last year, but the year before I had just the time of my life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And guys, join us on Patreon for exclusive content. There's polls going on there. There's pictures. There's videos that you don't get anywhere else. You get a first look at all our videos. There's an exclusive podcast. It is patreon.com slash talking metal. Please join us there. So without further ado, let's talk to Michael, and he's going to tell us all about the Emerald Sabbath project or CD or album that's about to drop. Here we go. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and we have a guy on who is responsible for doing something very cool, and it all has to do with Black Sabbath. He's going to tell us all about it. His name is Michael Suluan, and uh, Michael, you're in, uh, you're in the UK? Yeah, that's right, mate. Hello, mate. Thanks for bringing me. Yeah, I'm in Bristol in the UK, but I'm from Castletonbury in Ireland, in West Cork anyway, you know? Right on. But yeah, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in Bristol in the United Kingdom. Well, we've been we've been corresponding a little bit, and I know Ron Keel was on my podcast recently, and we really uh, got Ron to talk about Sabbath and his involvement in this great project that you are doing. It's called Emerald Sabbath, the list of people, uh, many of who are ex Black Sabbath members participating in this uh, this album is ap- absolutely staggering. It's awesome. Let's talk about it. Um, just. For anyone who doesn't know, can you explain what Emerald Sabbath is? Um, Emerald Sabbath is an, uh, an idea I came up with on 15, around May 2015. I actually came up with the idea while I was watching Swan Lake, the Casco, um, in Bristol, because I love classical music as well. And I just decided, <clears throat> I decided like maybe to do changes for Black Sabbath in classical form and with Adam Waitman on keyboards. So I emailed Adam anyway on the off chance. This is May 2015. And Adam replied back to me and he said he was in in Argentina with Aussie on tour. And he said, yeah, he'd be totally up for doing piano on changes for me when he gets back, when he gets back to the UK. And he did on May the 12th, 2015, Adam Waitman laid down the piano for changes, and he was the first person, and um, yeah, and after that, I was. It was originally going to be one track, just a single, and then I realized, you know, I thought I'm going to see how many ex Black Sabbath members I can get, and I decided to do a track list, and uh, that was it, really. And then I contacted Bev Devon, and I told him Adam Waitman was on it, and Bev said okay, and then I contacted Vinny Apice, and Vinny said okay. Wow. And then I contacted Lawrence Cottle, and Lawrence Cottle said okay. And then I contacted Ron Keel, and Ron said okay. And then Dave Walker, and then Tony Martin, and there, and so on, and so on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? and, it, and it, it is is very cool because all these people have an association with Black Sabbath. I mean, you and mentioned Terry, and don't, not not forgetting Terry Chimes, and as well, you know, from the nineteen eighty nine and. You know, and you know, it's not just the musicians as well. It's the graphic designers, the two guys from Technical Ecstasy, and the guy from Born Again, and string arrangers. You know, Will Malone and Mike Lewis, and yeah. So it's not just the musicians. A lot of the other people, uh, string arrangers, or graphic designers, are all ex Black Sabbath as well. Like you know. 
Right on. So we're, I want to dive into this uh, this list of, of people that are are working on this album with you and have contributed to it. But first, when when does the album come out and where is the best place for the Talking Metal listeners to pick it up? The single She's Gone was released on January the 11th and it can be got uh, downloaded at Apple, Amazon, iTunes. And the album itself is out on February the 15th through Plastic Head Distributors. Awesome. So they're going to be the main distributors, Plastic Head, but it's, again, Amazon and iTunes and everything else. But, yeah, Plastic Head Distributors are going to be the main, they're the main distributors, and it's out on February the 15th, just two weeks from now, like, you know? Right, right, which it'll really probably only be about a week from now by the time we post this this interview. Um, and let's, probably, yeah, yeah. let's dive in. Adam Wakeman, who, of course, is in Ozzy Osbourne's band currently, uh, sadly, yeah. the European and tour was was just postponed. I guess. Yeah, but, I heard that. He was on Sabbath's last final tour as well. Like you know. Yeah, and I got to tell you, the, one of the coolest things that ever happened to me was Adam Wakeman brought my wife and I backstage to the at Sabbath when they played in New Jersey on that the the farewell Sabbath tour and and Adam with Sabbath he he was playing guitar and doing keyboards a lot of people don't know That's that right. he actually did play some guitar on that final he Sabbath did, tour he but he, he stood he off and, stage and, and, he wasn't on stage he was kind of on the side I, of the stage yeah that's correct, and on, on that subject, I've seen Black Sabbath eighty-two times, including the Forbidden tour. Wow! And I don't, one of the instrumentals on my album is dedicated to Jeff Nichols, who was going to play on the project before he sadly passed away from cancer. Right. And I saw Jeff Nichols on stage on the Forbidden tour with playing uh, rhythm guitar as well, mate. Wow! Wow! Okay, uh, so they, as well as keyboards. So it wasn't uh, so. So Jeff Nichols actually played with him guitar and keyboards, as, uh, you know, back in the day in the nineties, as well as Adam did as well. Like you know. Yeah! Wow! That's a little historical nugget there. It's very cool. And and so Adam Wakeman, of course, the son of uh, the great Rick Wakeman, who played That's on right. uh, the Sabbath Bloody Sabbath album. What what song he's on? Um, He's on Sabra Cadabra. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, so great <laughs> score with that. Let's move on. Bev Bevan. Now he has an interesting place in Sabbath history. Let's That's uh, right. let's talk about when he was in Sabbath and what he's doing on em- Emerald Sabbath. Bev Bev Bevan was in the Bev was first at Black Sabbath in 1983 in the Born Again tour. Um, it was it was he replaced Terry Chimes. Um, for, who, who, who's probably best known for the punk band The Clash, but Terry was Terry was drumming with Black Sabbath. Terry, as you know, is an Emerald Sabbath as well. But Terry would not tour with Black Sabbath in South Africa because of the apartheid. Oh thing. wow! And so they brought in Bev instead. So Bev toured the tour, uh, did drums on the uh, Born Again tour, nineteen eighty-three. Uh, but he also did. Uh, he also guessed this uh, percussion on the Eternal Idol album. Wow. Okay. So, so Born Again comes out. It's Gillen. Obviously, uh, I'm a big fan of the Born Again record. But it's, on the uh, record, it, it, was, it, it was Ian Gillen, I, Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler, and Bill Ward. Right. Bill did the drums on the album, but uh, uh, on the tour, uh, on the, I'm sorry, on the tour, uh, on the tour, it was. Uh, 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 Bev Bevan on the tour, right? You know, but so Terry did a handful of dates bef- with them before Terry, Bev Terry joined. Did a hand- Terry times did a handful of dates, yeah, but Terry wouldn't play in South Africa 
with Black Sabbath, uh, apparently because of the apartheid. Wow, and Terry, of course, was in the Clash. He was in the Clash at the beginning of their their kind of run, and then he, I think, he joined them for that final tour, right when they toured with the Who. Is that correct? That's that's correct. That's correct. And um, but Bev then, yeah, that's correct. And uh, Terry is still doing drums, actually. But uh, Bev then went on to the the second time Bev was with Sabbath was he did uh, guest percussion on the Eternal Idol album. Right, cool. So Bev Bevan, then, who I know when they toured America, I believe Bev Bevan was playing drums with Sabbath when uh, they were touring for the Born Again record. Now, he is also, a lot of people might not know this, or they might know this, he's a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, right? With ELO, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And maybe known even more for his work with with ELO. I would say definitely known more for his work with ELO than Sabbath. Without a shadow of a doubt. When it comes to listings, it's ELO, uh, the move, Black Sabbath, you know? So what is he doing on Emerald Sabbath? What is Bev doing? He, he, he's doing a fair bit, actually. He, he, he actually, uh, after Adam Waitman did change uh, piano and changes, I had the violin, the violin player come in, and and uh, and all that. So, but Bev, Bev is doing percussion and changes. Uh, cool. That's the first thing he did. That's the that's the first thing he did. And then as the album accumulated and I got more members and more tracks and whatnot, uh, Bev is also playing percussion on Trashed. Nice, nice, cool. And he's playing percussion on Embryo Intro. And, uh, yeah, Embryo Intro uh, percussion, Changes percussion, but he's playing, and he's playing, no, drums drums on Changes, sorry. Percussion on intro, embryo intro and percussion on uh, trust. Yeah, nice, <laughs> cool. And you mentioned Terry, who's involved. We heard from Ron Keel, who went into great detail on a previous episode of Talking Metal about his involvement. But so let's talk about some of these other people. Vinnie Apice, who has such a unique place in Sabbath history, because oh my god, you know yeah. there, there was there was he didn't play on Heaven and Hell. He joined for the tour though, and then Mob. That's the, right. The Mob Rules record. Then he and he was with the and the band Heaven and Hell as well. Yeah, came back for Dehumanizer when when they did that in the nineties with That's Dio. Right. Then uh, of course he was back with Heaven and Hell, which in a lot of people's mind is basically Sabbath, you know. Um, but they didn't want to <laughs> yeah. call it that for you know whatever reason. But he also. And I know you're a Sabbath expert, so you probably know this. He did a, a, a brief amount of dates with uh, with Ozzy, Tony, and Geezer in in the lineup, and I guess that was when Bill Ward was not well enough to play. That's correct. He did. Yeah, he did. He did. He um, the exact dates. Those dates, I'm not exactly sure of uh, right off my head, uh, but I know he definitely did the Heaven and Hell tour anyway, and the Headless uh, and the Heaven and Heaven and Hell with Ronnie and all that afterwards. But he did step in for and do some live shows as well. Yeah, he did some. Uh, he definitely uh, played uh, some uh, live shows, and I know he was actually touring with Sabbath. 
and just was kind of waiting in the wings because they, they weren't sure about Bill's health and about Bill's ability. And he's he's told stories to me uh, about the fact that he was touring with them and, you know, he didn't know if he was going to play, but he was always ready to go. And at one point he actually did have to step in for for Bill for yeah. a number of days. If I look into my in archives, I've got everything, I've got everything, information everywhere from day one. Like so, but yeah, you're correct, you know, but... Within Royal Sabbath, Vinny uh, is playing drums on Die Young and drums on Thrashed. Nice, nice. And those so two, good. are those with Ron on vocals, Ron Keel? Yeah, Ron's singing both Thrashed and Die Young, yeah. And, wow. uh, but Ron's also doing Hole in the Sky, who's got uh, Bobby Rondinelli on drums, and you know? Wow, wow, cool. This and is... I've also got Bobby Rondinelli on In for the Kill, with Tony Martin on vocals and Adam Way. The In For The Kill lineup is quite a good lineup, actually. It's Tony Martin on vocals, Lawrence Cottle on bass from Headless Cross album, Pete Minaldi, who's Adam Wakeman's guitar player, Bobby Rondinelli and Adam himself, like, you know? Wow, that is awesome. Let's talk about Dave Spitz. Can you tell us a little about, first about his history with Black Sabbath and then his what he's doing on Emerald Dave, Sabbath? Dave is, Dave is not actually on the album that's coming out unfortunately oh he's not I thought he was for some reason sorry he, he, I, he, yeah no what, uh, Dave, well Dave well Dave uh, as you know I did in, I've done In For The Kill with Tony Martin and vocals and, and, and Lawrence Huttle on bass and Dave as you know played the original bass on In For The Kill right with, with Glenn Hughes and, and Eric Singer and all that but um, I was we we'd all things set up but the the thing is with Dave was it's a timing issue like you know it's just a pure yeah. timing issue okay and and nothing else but listen I've got a four track follow up EP already in the pipeline wow called volume two and there's members of Black Sabbath who's not on this album that's going to be on the EP so I'm just thought I'd let you know that like you know <laughs> That's, but, that, uh, sounds, Dave, that sounds Dave, great. Dave Spitz, Dave Spitz was on In For The Kill album, definitely, um, you know, uh, and yeah, one of my favorite Sabbath albums of all time. How, uh, how about... Seven Star, like... Yeah, absolutely. Neil Murray, um, he is doing some bass on Emerald Sabbath. He... he Neil's, doing, Neil's, doing, Neil's doing bass on the instrumental orchid. And he's doing bass on um, "She's Gone" with Dave, which Dave Walker got on vocals. The the single, like you know, right, right, which is out now. It's a so, great music video, which, which we which will is link. Up now, yeah, Dave Walker and vocals, Chris Cundy, Bill the Wire, Chris Cundy and Bill the Wire, both members of Dave Walker's band. Neil Murray on bass, Mike Lewis, the string arrangement. Uh, Mike Lewis did the original string arrangement for the Black Sabbath one as well, mind. Right, cool. And I've got a string quartet, and Jeremy Lewis produced it, who produced the Headless Cross album. He produced that track, right, you know? Now, you mentioned Dave Walker, who, again, is doing She's Gone on the on the album. He's a very unique uh, player in Sabbath history because he stepped in when Ozzy quit now when this was before the official kind of breakup before never say die yeah. right when when yeah, when well, actually did this happen was this was well, this after 19, technical 19, ecstasy 19, 1978 that happened because as you said the official one was 1980 when uh the late ronnie james dio um joined but there was a brief moment uh, in 1978 when dave when dave was a member of black sabbath uh, you know and um 
he did some recording with them, definitely. And it was in, I'll tell you where, yeah, November, my memory's coming back to me. <laughs> November 1977 it was. Right. And, uh, you know, because they come from, they've, they've come from the same part of Birmingham as Tony, Iommi and Ozzy. He's a Brummie lad himself, like, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, there's... There's actually. And he was. Oh, go ahead. He, he actually. He, he actually did a recording, an early recording of Junior's Eyes, yeah. which is completely different say. to the Junior's Eyes on the album version. You know. Right. Um, he did. There is video footage. Uh, a, a, a TV program called BBC West Midlands. Look here. Uh, what was it? The sixty. Uh, what was it? Sixty January nineteen seventy. He performed War Pigs and Junior's Eyes. On yeah. TV, and, and there's footage of it, like you know. So that footage is out there because I was looking for that. I couldn't find it on on YouTube. It's, uh, it's near impossible to get hold of. <laughs> right, right. There is footage. Um, you ha- you have to contact the BBC uh, Midlands TV program. Uh, it's called Look Here, and it was in 1978. But there is, I've got still images. You can see them on my website from that performance. You right know. On. But the, to actually get the video footage, the, the actual footage itself is no easy feat. Like you have to contact BBC or contact Blacks, uh, Mr. Iommi himself, like you know. But it right does on. exist anyway, so you know. Cool. Well, this release again is Emerald Sabbath, guys. It'll be out February fifteenth, and you gotta pick it up. It is there's so much great stuff, and it's all you know, authentic, true Sabbath. From from start to finish, from the artwork to the uh, the musicians involved in it, to even the the, the woman playing the harp. Let's talk about her. You sent yeah, me some footage. Uh, it's just yeah, awesome. Uh, you got to tell me her name and what she's her, doing. Her, and name, her name her name is Skyla Kanja, originally uh, uh, Indian, and she's she worked with Mass, she works with Massive Attack recently and all that. And but yeah, she was a session harp player with Black Sabbath in the mid seventies. Wow. Um, so I she's on the sabotage record. Is that what she's on? She can't even. She can't remember. Wow. Okay. <laughs> she went into the studio to play harp for Black Sabbath, and Ozzy was there, and uh, uh, and she did she did harp. But the the thing is, with my version of Superstar, because you know on the sabotage album, it was Will Malone who did the string arrangement. Yeah. Right. Who also does the uh, string arrangement on uh, for some of your songs, right? He did the string arrangement for my Superzar as well. That's awesome. But in Waterton rewriting it, he found the original up in his attic from 1975 that was scrawled with Ozzy. And Ozzy wanted to call Superzar, we serve the worst chips in the country. <laughs> and uh, they said, no, nah, you can't call it that. We call it Superzar. But uh, I've got the original one here that Will Malone found. But the girl who's playing Superzar, uh, the, the harp on my Superzar is... Um, I cannot confirm or deny if she played harp on the Sabbath album. Right, okay. But she definitely 100% played with Black Sabbath in the 70s as a session harp player. That's what I was shadow of a doubt like. Awesome. She may have played on the Sabotage album and never got credit for it, but even she can't remember, like, you know? Yeah, I hear uh, you. I've got Mike Lewis, the original string arranger, that did the original She's Gone on Technical Ecstasy. He's done mine. 
and uh, uh, the graphic designers, yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Well, it's a very exciting project, and uh, uh, Michael, I'm sorry, but we're just about out of time. But before before we let you go, I wanted to just ask you real quick, um, what is your favorite Sabbath record, and what is your least favorite Sabbath record? (laughs) My favorite, uh, well, well, it's obvious I'm going to answer my favorite. I love them all. Um, okay. My favorite Sabbath record. Um, it's near impossible to answer, but I do love Seven Star and Born Again, and I do love Sabotage. So there's three there. The least one, if you mean it's the least one I listen to, is Thirteen. Okay. All right. Fair enough. That's interesting. Uh, Seven Star because I, I've a lot of people I've heard kind of pan that record as as not uh, one of the better Sabbath it, records. I I know I know it's different. You know, it's a different one from the seventy. But if you're talking Aussie era, um, it, it's Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, and Sabotage. Like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sabotage for so me too. I Such haven't a great got record. total favorite. I haven't got a best or a favorite. I'll just say the ones I listen to least and most. <laughs> right on. Right on. Cool. Well, yeah. I know one thing. We're all going to be listening to Emerald Sabbath. It's out February 15th, and it is uh, a true Sabbath tribute in every way you can imagine because it's the it's really people part who are part of the Sabbath family are a part of this record in every step along the way from artwork to musicianship. And it sounds great, and I can't wait for the Talking Metal listeners to hear this. Cool. Cool. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much for ringing, and yeah, no problem whatsoever. I hope you enjoy it when it comes out, and hope that everyone else does as well. I've been gone a long, long time waiting for you. I didn't want to see you go. Slowly 
by Dave Walker. Now, Emily, Dave Walker was in Sabbath when Ozzy first quit. So, you know, Ozzy left the band like before they got Dio, before Never Say Die. It's a little known fact that Ozzy left for a couple months. They brought in this guy, Dave Walker, did some songwriting with him, uh, did a TV show appearance. And then Ozzy came back and they did the Never Say Die record. Wow, so that, that that is Dave Walker singing She's Gone, which was a song on Technical Ecstasy. Uh, very interesting version of She's Gone. Definitely very different than the way Sabbath did it, but still very, very cool. And Emerald Sabbath is coming out soon, guys. So we definitely will be talking more about this great album on future episodes of Talking Metal. And uh, that's going to do it. I'm trying to think, oh, let's hit a request on the way out. This is one of our Patreon guys, Emily. His name's Steve, Steven Saylor, and he is really supportive. And I do want to mention that the Patreon people, the the sweatshirts are coming in. So if you go to that higher tier, you can get a, a Talking Metal sweatshirt. Even if you just move there for a month, the sweatshirt will be mailed out. And let's actually do this. We'll do it right now. I know it's expensive, guys, but I paid 70 bucks for a Black Sabbath hoodie at the farewell tour for Black Sabbath. Did you see there's Kiss t-shirts going for $100? Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. So we're going to sell cuckoo, the- That's Cuckoo Town, though. Come yeah, on. Yeah. And I know this is Cuckoo Town, and you're going to be mad at me, but these <laughs> hoodies cost me a ton. They really no, do. I know they did. So listen, you got to look at it as you get a Talking Metal hoodie, but you're also supporting the show. They're 80 bucks, guys. Let me know if you if you want a Talking Metal hoodie. You don't have to be on Patreon. You can get a one-time purchase of a Talking Metal hoodie for 80 bucks. If there's any interest out there, hit up my PayPal with $80, your shirt size, your, or your address. We have smalls through double XLs. I don't have the triple XLs. And those are talking metal hoodies and it really supports what we're doing here. And if you knew how much I was paying to have these made, you wouldn't be that shocked at an $80 price uh, tag for the hoodies. And I'd love to love to give you one. So hit, hit me up, guys, if you want one. And that's going to do it for today. This is requested by Steven Saylor. It's Path of Destiny by Pink Cream 69. This came out in 2017. It's a great tune. As always, Steven's picking out some really great songs to play here on the Talking Metal Podcast, and we appreciate his input into the show. Thanks, Steven. Here we go. Path of Destiny by Pink Cream 69. 